Good morning, and welcome to the Video Game Open Coffee Club Recap, uh, a podcast where we go over the topics of discussion at the various uh, coffee clubs around the city, as well as talk about and highlight some of the community events, uh, gaming-related community events in the area. I am Eric Brody, and today we have... Rebecca Easton. And David Forrest. Cool. So let's talk about last week. Um, I actually think that last week was a pretty slow week, right? <laughs> yeah, we didn't actually have a whole lot going on. Um, I mean, it, like the beginning of this month, Dostoff had their Christmas, Chris, Christmas mingle. Woo, no, quarterly mingle. Mm. Uh, in that, uh, I don't think a lot of us made it out there, but that was going on. And uh, a bunch of it, uh, pretty much everything is happening at the end of this month. So within these yeah. next two weeks, we're having things like a bunch of short guys is having a, it's on, the, it's on our Facebook group. But they're having a tour for studios, an animation studio. Cool. cool. Do mm-hmm. we know which studio it is? I do, but it's going to take me a second to pull that up. Sure. Uh, they're doing that, and then DSOP just announced their show and play mm-hmm. at uh, on the 28th yep. of March. And uh, who was the other thing? Oh, and of course, every Friday is Storm's, mm-hmm. Storm's thing. At so. Node. Uh, yeah. We... We are also planning on doing a Tuesday night. Uh, oh, yeah. Next Tuesday. Uh, next Tuesday. So, the last Tuesday of yeah, the month. Yeah, so basically I think that uh, Dallas Society of Play has the last Wednesday of the month mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. is now what they're setting it oh, okay, like cool. completely to. Um, and then we're doing the last Tuesday of the month for the beer club. At Brain Dead Brewing. Uh, at Brain Dead Brewing, uh, 7.30 p.m. Um, but, yeah, so that's yeah. really cool. But with GDC happening right now um there's not a whole lot happening this week um in dallas in dallas (laughs) yeah in dallas that is oh uh this week is gdc yes yeah oh and so they're going to we're kind of going back i know we went from the 28th to 27th and now to this week okay we'll do a review (laughs) one more time and then (laughs) groove jones is the studio that they're going that a bunch of short guys so the couple last couple weeks was a quarterly mingle, and that's about it. With Storms thing every Friday, Storms show and play every Friday at Node. This coming up, we have uh, a bunch of short guys. This tour is on March twenty fourth, and that's going to be at Groove Studio. It is on the Facebook group, both on theirs and ours. And then they have already their next workshop that they're going to be doing. With that's on April twenty first, so we'll probably keep an eye out on that. But they're meeting with Rita Street, developing an animated comedy series workshop. Uh, and then on the, or DSOP, they're having their, tw- on the 28th, they're having their show and play. So mm-hmm. if you're and interested. And on the 27th is then. Our thing. Yeah. yeah. So if, they're, if you're interested in showing a game off to a bunch of uh, developers who are in the area, that's a good place to go. It's at Node. You need to sign up. They're not. You can sign up there, but they'd rather you contact them in advance. So that's that's all the community stuff happening in the rest of this month. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. We're uh, nearing the end of March already. That's amazing. I know. It's just day, things just ran. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> ran by. Okay, so do we want to go ahead and do we have anything else? Are we missing anything else? I don't believe so. Okay, well then let's get into what we talked about on, uh, over the week. I'm trying to bring up my my notes <laughs> over the week. So, was Thursday and Friday largely similar this week? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anytime I run both of them, yeah, it's the same stuff. Okay. <laughs> That's what happens. Uh, so you you actually posted something, Eric, about mm. Dallas Fuel. Yeah, it was actually, I guess it was last Sunday that it came down. And so like, uh, but then we didn't get it. And so it was like, hey, let's talk about this this coming mm-hmm. week. And um, uh, yeah, it was essentially to put long story short that one of our players who had been suspended a couple times at this point had finally been released by the team on mutual agreement. Yeah. Um, and what it really kind of led to is, is actually almost a continuation of a discussion that we had had at, at the Frisco Coffee Club yeah. a couple months prior, I think, when he had been banned the first time or suspended the first time, um, essentially arguing uh, f- or, or talking about um, how esports are being seen by the public, yeah. um, how these players should be expected to act and or what we should expect from them. Um, and then uh, the what I at least found particularly interesting about the discussion was 
um, how these PR teams need to do media training for their players, not just simply because they're going to be in the public eye, but more importantly, because a lot of them come from a streaming background or a very non-public background, Mm -hmm. or if they are, I I guess I should argue, a very public background in a very different way. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, The player's name, XQC, actually had an awesome interview that he did on a channel on YouTube called Your Overwatch, in which he actually brought up some really salient points on Mm -hmm. his side. He wasn't necessarily apologizing. Well, no, he was apologizing for what he was saying. He wasn't necessarily defending anything that happened, but he was kind of talking about, in hindsight, here's what I think happened. Um, Essentially, his argument is he was raised by Twitch chat in that he had, for the year prior, um, and part of the reason he got picked up by a team was he was streaming 12 hours a day, and that was most of his interaction with people. Mm -hmm. Uh, and And as somebody who already thinks out loud anyway, uh, when you then suddenly put a microphone in front of him, or you look at his Twitch chat as a way to get quotes from him, totally, uh, that starts to lead to a very, it's a very different way than from how any other celebrity or anybody in the public eye uh, interacts with the media, yeah. or even by interacting by not interacting in the media, just looking at his stream, not knowing that he's being quoted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I think that's a really interesting point is that like, Twitch has has raised a new generation of esports. Well, of just entertainers. Like entertainers. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, and and at the beginning, it was people who were already coming from a background in some other medium, uh, even if it was YouTube videos or something like that. And so their understanding and engagement with the press or with just like uh, people in general mm-hmm. came from that mindset of oh, Twitch is like an alternate way for me to uh, market myself and interact with people. But yeah, I mean, Twitch can be a very... uh, Yeah, there's that. um, uh, Yeah, Um, and just the the fact of how, you know, that we have now this new generation of entertainers that um, have popped up from their own doing, from like their quote-unquote bedrooms or whatever. and then that is the way that they're accustomed to interacting, yeah. and now they get put in a more mainstream environment. Yeah. Um, another really weird and interesting example of this is uh, like when PR teams don't necessarily have a whole lot of control, or a t- an organization doesn't really put a whole lot into that. Yep. Um, these dudes still live on the internet, and so they're going to talk if their team isn't doing the talking for them. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, like for example, one of our other players, um, Effect. Um, he's uh, a Korean player, actually did an AMA on a Korean subreddit um, that actually had, or like just a Korean forum board Mm -hmm. um, that wasn't necessarily Overwatch related. And he was asked questions about the team of what's going on. And he essentially just laid into management, his coaches, his other players, and himself in in, in a very effective way, because I I love the dude. Like he was very honest and like, and actually relatively positive, he was just essentially talking for an organization that didn't have, that's not talking to their fans right now. Right. Yeah. And so again, kind of a cool flip side of that too, in that most PR teams, I, and I have to imagine they're feeling this as well, that's a huge no-no. They were yeah. saying a lot of things that they would not want him to say. Yeah, totally. And yet at the same time, he was able to take it into his own hands through ways that he was just already planning on doing anyway, because like we live on the internet and that was a forum board that he's typically on anyway. So mm-hmm. yeah. I think it just leads to a lot of like really interesting discussions like that. Well, the and this was kind of the opposite, like what we were talking on Thursday, because I'll, there's a few of them that aren't plugged into the esports, but there's a large portion like me that's just, we, yeah. we get news from you and that's about as far as I go. Um, we were talking more along the lines of policing ourselves, like the community itself policing ourselves. And that's how we were taking it on our end, like on Thursday, that's how we mm. took it. Was like this was an opportunity where all this stuff is happening in video games, and we're trying to show that we are a a, a culture that is, and we are. It's a culture. We are a culture that is uh, that's able to police ourselves, right? Like we're not going to go off the chain on on a bunch of things. And so that was what we were kind of taking our points towards was was the whole policing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then on Friday when you were mentioning, uh, it's just like the lack of media training and PR and coming out of marketing, yeah, it's, like I, it's a constant thing that I get on to my clients about. Like, watch what you say online. Don't post anything you shouldn't. You know, that that's the sort of stuff that, that I agree. So it's kind of interesting to see how 
how old school thought, which is PR and marketing, how they're still trying to get up to date with everything, how old school thought is struggling to keep up with the more modern or new idea of what the inter- internet-tainment is. Yeah. <laughs> is that a real phrase? I'm is stealing it from the uh, Good Mythical Morning crew. Okay, I'm yeah. stealing it from them because that's what they said. They're like, we are your internet-tainers. And I'm like, oh, that's perfect <laughs> because that's exactly what it is. Um, so, yeah. That was that was what one of the things we covered. Um, any other thoughts on that topic? I mean, so I think that off of the whole idea of like a mixture of a need for PR mm-hmm. and uh, the ability for a community to self police itself and things like that, like I think that there are, um, like I think that when it comes to the policing nature of it, mm-hmm. um, like I am the first person to be like hey like you really shouldn't be saying those things or whatever but at the same time I think it is also important to have that almost training side of it as mm-hmm. well where it's like uh, look we have a, a, a no <laughs> like we, we have a policy that says no you can't do this mm-hmm. so don't do it and here's your punishment for doing it but at the same time like we are trying to proactively help people to better understand why it is that they can't do things. And mm-hmm. I think that that's something that, um, like, there there is, there are a lot of people within the gaming community and just within gaming culture as a whole that, like, I was playing League of Legends last night, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, there are people that are saying horrific things and it's just in their normal nomenclature yeah. when whenever they're speaking. And it's, like, when it's friends of mine or people that I know, I like call them out on it. And I'm like, hey, dude, like, why? Like, why Why is that the word that you chose to say there instead of mm-hmm. like idiot or you're being stupid? Instead, mm-hmm. you're saying these like very, uh, uh, these words that come with a lot of uh, yeah. power and meaning and like are not respectful of people. And so it's like, there. I feel like there's, uh, we're the first to always call people out uh, or like like say, hey, you're doing something bad, but we also struggle as a community to be like, hey, like we can tell that you're starting to do some things. Maybe you should tone it down. It's like we're we're always there at the end of the thing saying you're doing something bad, but so how, how often but, do we try and call people? So out? you're saying we're more reac- reactionary. Yes, we're. Ve- it's a very reaction, and and again, that's like I mean, that's. Well, I just think that's just. Culture, right culture now. as a whole, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But but so I'm just saying, yeah. like maybe there are things like even within the coffee clubs and things like that. It's like if people start saying things like, Ooh. we we need to be proactive about it and be like take take someone aside or whatever. I don't know. What's, I'm not what are, I'm not going to put point like? these two members out, but there was a situation that happened like that at the club where one member was getting um, a little too political about some things. The other member took him off to the side and go, you know that you keep saying all these things and there's probably somebody in there that has the opposite view of you and yeah. you're making them uncomfortable. And that was a moment within our club where we policed ourselves and the dude immediately stopped and cleaned up his his way of joking around, which was great to see. I, I, I enjoy when our when our members are taking that much passion to like help each other out. So but I agree. Yeah. Well, and I think that one of the like kind of the flip side of that point, though, yeah. as well, is that um, not even flip side, but just like another angle is uh, when we talk about media training, what we're not necessarily talking about is what to not say, but more importantly, how to um, kind of distill down what your message is yeah. and how to actually practice more. Like, cause I've done like a limited amount of media training myself yeah. and like what it really actually comes down to is it's actually really liberating for me is it, it, because it allows me to kind of think in bullet points of what the quote unquote talking points are. Yeah. Right. And when I'm doing an interview and I find myself kind of starting to stumble on words or something, then I always have something to fall back on. And that's really kind of what a lot of that traditional media training is. And so like when we talk about like kind of, um, why that's important is it's not necessarily, hey, obviously don't use slurs or something like that, yeah. but more it's, and this was kind of one of the point, the really interesting point that I think that he brought up in that when he says that he was raised by Twitch chat, not yeah. necessarily that it was like that it's okay to say certain things that people are accustomed to hearing like in online lobbies or something, yeah. and more that he would drop 
just into his regular like mode of speech, mm -hmm. he dropped memes or like because he's the actual Twitch streamer, he doesn't actually type. And so he actually says the name of emotes that he would actually be saying and yeah. things like that. And he slowly became somebody who um, in his words, like thinks out loud. Yeah. And so then what ends up happening is then when he's talking to somebody, whether Mike is in front of him or not, he said he somebody asks him a question he says what he's thinking out loud and then yeah. he says okay this is my answer but the difference is he's already said it yeah. and and he says that he's always kind of been that way but then because of living on the internet yeah, on no, reddit totally. and on twitch and on so on and so forth that it's changed the way that his brain actually works in that way and the way that he communicates with people and obviously he's not alone in that yeah. um from the people who are on the other side of just simply who spend all of their time not necessarily streaming but watching streamers to other people who are really big entertainers as well and i think that it is um it shows some of the importance of traditional media training for a different reason that's yeah. not necessarily just hey here's the hr and pr rep that's telling you to make sure that you don't say these things they're nda but instead more um to make sure that you have confidence in yourself to actually talk to the public mm -hmm. and i think that's going to be happening more and more and more and more and more okay. yeah well i'm going to use this as a chance to segue into yeah. talking about public oh <laughs> yeah there's like little windows here so people can see and yeah. just People when you're when you're watching later, when you're listening later, Matt, uh, we are waving at you <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> this is the point where you waved at us, and now we're waving back <laughs> at you. So. <laughs> okay, fourth so, wall breaking. Here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, I'm going to use the, that to kind of segue into media in general, and it's more. Uh, so the White House called a bunch of game developers or game companies to the table to discuss violence in video games. To the table. To the table, um, to discuss violent video games. Yeah, and this, this has happened almost every decade. Yes. Yeah, there's been a table meeting that doesn't actually do much. Yeah, so let me, let me finish. The thing that really got the internet and a lot, a lot of people outside the internet uh, really, really upset was uh, the video that they showed. They claimed that all of the video, all of the clips that they took out of video games, which were the most gory and violent parts of the video game, was taken out of context, right? Uh, and that that was like what really upset people was just the fact that they took this, they they warped it to their meaning, and they put put it out. Uh, of course, people took to Twitter. It was people, a violent video game show reel. Yeah, right? it really yeah. was. And uh, the argument was, oh, these are taken out of context. One of our members' argument was that it doesn't matter. It's violence anyways. Violence taken out of context doesn't matter. It's just, it's just gore and stuff. Um, so the other part that comes out of this story is Warren Spector took to the internet and was like, all you de game developers that develop these violent video games should be ashamed of yourself. Paraphrasing here. That's not paraphrasing. Um, of course... People again turned around and said, uh, "Really, dude? You might have made Epic Mickey, but you also made like Deus Ex, uh, which was violent and gory." And he's like, "Well, his his response to that was, well, if you notice in my video games, you have an alternative, right? There's an alternative to this to every aspect." Uh, of course, Randy Pitchfork from Gearbox got in there as well Pitchfork. and said, "Pitchford, thank you, Pitchford, uh, got in there as well and said, uh, this is art.'" I mean, the, you're on. You're kind of on the wrong on this one. And then following up on that, Games for Change, which is a nonprofit organization, was like, "Yeah, we have all of this violence, but check out all of this beauty." So they did a, a reel in response that just showed all the beauty in video games. So that was kind of what came out of the whole White House calling the game game dev population to the table. Uh, but I agree. This is every decade we have one. We talked about this the, the last time I was on the podcast. Um, we did a little bit of a history lesson on like the ESRB and why it came into play and things like that. And this, uh, a lot of people are like, this is just to draw away from a lot of the chaos that's going outside, yeah. right? This is just to a smoke, smoke, what, smoke? Well, and that was one of the things, smoke, smoke yeah. yeah and, and that was one of the things that we talked about at the Friday Club was um, because this, uh, this is a thing that happens, as you said. I mean, really during every administration, yeah. but I mean, really every decade. Um, but the uh, obvious inaction that we've seen makes it all the more clear that, yep. yes, this isn't an actual discussion that Washington is trying to have on this. And uh, because in the 90s, there was 
very quickly they were making moves to try to make legislation to regulate in ways, and again, that's like what we talked about last week. And then in the you know mid aughts, that was happening again after like GTA San Andreas and stuff. Yep. And again, like people were uh, there was a bulk of legislators who were trying to make moves to make things happen very quickly. Um, and there's been relative inaction otherwise, other than just tossing this out there and letting the public talk about it. Um, and what I do think is interesting is kind of tying it into our last discussion um, is uh, I feel like the community, the gaming community, is doing more with this than what you know, Washington is actually trying yeah, totally. to do with it themselves. And we're actually having really interesting discussions about it um, on both sides. And actually seeing, I, I thought that the Warren Spector tweet was really um, interesting because like, he does have a good point on his side in that really the violence in his games is a reflection on how the player wants to play it, not necessarily, and he's just simply giving the option there. And then what does that mean as you as a developer and stuff like that and you as an artist and as a creator? Mm -hmm. but. Well, I mean, I think to that point, though, like the, uh, again, I don't agree with it, yeah. but the point that's being made is that the violence is there and it's accessible to people. Um, I think the, that... Um, so whether or not it's it's a main line of the story or just like in Grand Theft Auto, you you being able to walk down the street and shoot people or beat people up or whatever doesn't always have to be a main line of the story. You can just go off and do it yourself. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, though, like some of the response that I've also seen to this whole thing is like uh, there are studies upon studies upon studies that show that violence in video games does not lead to violence in real life and actually like people that are actually violent and and go out and do these mass shootings and things like that um have actually like less interest it seems in video games in general um i think it was like 80 percent of mass shooters had no interest in video games whatsoever mm. uh or just weren't didn't think that they were fun or something um I can find the statistics and try and send it out there because mm -hmm. I hate just spouting random mm -hmm. statistics. <laughs> yeah. But basically the whole point was is that um, us trying to say like, oh, well, that's art or, oh, well, uh, whatever. Just like it continues to perpetuate this this fighting back and forth of like, well, my gut makes me feel this way. And uh, even if it's art, it's still violent. It does these things. But it's like, but that the research shows that it has no correlation, so we shouldn't even be engaging in talking about this. Instead, having the discussions within the community itself, rather than trying to fight with the government or whatever it is, mm -hmm. it's more about how do we as a community want to better ourselves and, and better the games that we make. So on that point, yeah. I'm just gonna interrupt real quick. Um, on that point, uh, Talking about player choice and how we how we respond. Do you guys remember how um, what was it? Bioshock Infinite, the steampunk. Well, the steampunk one's not really helpful, but the one where it's in the sky. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. You remember what came out of that? What happened around that time? There I was don't. okay. Spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't well, played the game. Don't like fully spoiler alert. No, it's it's it. You, there's no way to talk about this without talking about that incident. I've heard um, this. Yeah, I'm interested to know where you're going with this so, because the discussion of kind of choice in games is like that's in the first Bioshock. Right. But. So, well, no, this is uh, this isn't a moment you can make any decision on. You are forced to go through this. It is when so um, here's the spoiler alert warning, I guess. Uh, and then here we'll, uh, I will I will give it like <laughs> time I'm going to start the timer real quick and then we'll tell you. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll cut it back in and say or we can just simply say. 60 seconds. Okay. Just fast forward 60 seconds. Okay? okay. All right. Go. Okay. It is when you are going through the, because um, it's based around a lot of Christianity and Catholic things. So it's when you have to go through the moment where you're being baptized. And a lot of people got, went, went up in arms about that. So much so that a lot of people demanded their money back. Like, I'm not going to go through this. They stopped immediately on that. That Never was a response. Yeah, it was a response that happened that see I can't I can't talk about it without the someone was like this goes against my faith. It was a huge online post. He was like this goes against my faith. I want my money back. I don't want to go through this. It's I can't. And so he gave back his game. And a lot of people came out about it. Just it was a moment in the video game you could not get around. 
because the developer wanted you to go through that. And there's there are certain instances in games in general where that happens as well, where you cannot go around a decision. You have to go through it. I think there's another video game, but I can't remember which one. And you are now spoiler-free. Okay. Um, because yeah. we can still talk about yeah, what we you were talking about. Mm -hmm. um, because that is an interesting point in that, for those who did skip ahead, mm -hmm. um, essentially going through something that you don't necessarily believe in, mm -hmm. um, and you have to do it because it's there's there's not an option to go otherwise. Yeah. Um, that's very interesting. I hadn't heard anything I, about that. I think it would be really interesting. We should see. Um, so there's actually a group that meets here uh, at Nerdvana. Uh, thanks again to Nerdvana. Uh, <laughs> but there's a group that meets here that is like a Bible study. Uh, and it's it's a bunch of gamers that have mm. a Bible study most okay. Friday mornings here. Okay. Um, I'm wondering and, if those are the people that are always in the corner. Yeah, they are. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but I, I might reach out to them and just uh, say like, one, is this anything that you guys have ever talked about? Is like playing games that you might have either like moral, uh, oblig or complex. Uh, I can't think of the word right now. Uh, disagreements. Moral disagreements <laughs> with. Yeah, that's that's an easy enough way. Uh, and or or points within games uh, because again with without the spoiler it's just that there there's something that you disagree with like is that is that something that especially from like a religious perspective yeah um that y has stopped you from playing games or anything like that or so even if not necessarily religious uh like i mean i have um a friend who um there's a certain game that you actually i think it was pretty famous is it, it was in gta 5 like uh that you have to torture another character i remember um, that scene. and uh yeah and it kind of made news because there were people like him who just said i'm not gonna play this game i mean i don't like torture is one of the most inhumane things that yeah. like we do as a people and i'm not going to advocate that and especially in an interactive form of entertainment like actually force myself to do that you know there's a lot of powerful ways that you can do it um with with elements like that but then especially if there's not a skip option. Um, mm -hmm. Because, I mean, that was his argument, is the fact that it's in the game isn't going to stop me from playing it if I can skip that scene. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but the fact that it forces you to actively torture another human being is yeah. different. But, yeah. So that, that kind of goes along with the same line of what they're talking about with the violence in video games. Like, do you have you the have option? Yeah. yeah, you don't really, right? Like, you, you can probably try to play all throughout Fallout 4 without killing anybody, but it's extremely tough. Right. That's that that's the sort of thing that a lot of people are pointing out. There's not always an option not to do yeah. it. Well, and I, I think that the the whole point is, is that the discussion of uh, combat in video games and combat related mechanics mm -hmm. uh, as game designers or um, just like as a community, is that all that we ask for from our games uh, versus do video games uh, lead to violence? Uh, the question of do video games lead to violence has been scientifically disproven. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's that's where it ends. Yeah. That's where our conversation with people that say video games are the reason that we have mass shootings in this country. I'm sorry, but you're wrong. And <laughs> here's why you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, if we want to have a discussion within our community about yeah. combat related mechanics um, and the uh, what seems like the only way to progress stories is through combat in a lot of video games doesn't always have to be the way. And please, we as a community would like more choice. But again, I think they're two separate topics to talk about. Yeah. And trying to bring them both into the same discussion only hurts the game development community because it adds fire where fire should not be allowed to Mm -hmm. to even be there because, again, scientifically disproven. So. Okay. Adding fuel to the wrong fire. Yeah, and that, and that was my point. So. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Well, then, um, so ending that topic. Moving on. Uh, this wasn't actually a big thing. We didn't really discuss this much, but it's just kind of there. Uh, they changed the title of it on game gameindustry.biz. <laughs> the title was, it's, it's not too late for Facebook to catch up to Twitch and YouTube, but now it reads, uh, can Facebook catch up to Twitch and YouTube? And YouTube is making this huge push to become a video-first platform, and they're partnering up with, or they're trying to partner up with people in the community uh, to build a pretty much online uh, gaming presence. Same to Twitch and YouTube. Uh, but the question is, are they too late? And some people say, no, they're not. They just have to get with the right creators and listen to these creators to build the correct platform. Uh, and others are like, oh, yeah, it's way too late for these people. 
I I mean, I personally, uh, as someone who follows a lot of content creators through different various video platforms, mm -hmm. uh, I've seen a lot of discontent uh, and just like people being upset with various platforms in uh, recent months slash years, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, and it just seems to continue to be growing. YouTube has had a lot of controversy oh, yeah. surrounding uh, their content ID programs and their uh, ability for people to just do copyright claims and things like that and, and remove somebody's source of income uh, very quickly. Um, and I think that uh, if a new platform is to pop up, it really has to take note of those things or try to cater for yeah. certain things. Now, the thing is, is that YouTube still has a very strong, it's like the second largest search engine in the world, uh, second only to Google and they're owned by the same company. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I think that there there is still this whole point of uh, if somebody like Facebook is positioned from a perspective of it has a lot of eyeballs and all these other things. But Facebook has the issue of their audience is aging uh, and they are, even though people are still getting on Facebook, there's mm -hmm. still a lot less interaction from a younger generation on Facebook than there ever has been before. Um, and so, and, and the people that are looking for video content creators and live streaming and all of that is the younger generation. Mm -hmm. um, that's where the largest growth is, so. Um, at the same time, like all they would need to do because is just show the interest in solving the problems that a lot of content creators have totally. been having with YouTube. Um, I know that um, there have been a lot of creators that have just simply said publicly that they would gladly move if um, you know somebody else were to provide a viable option. It's just there's not really one, um, partially because nobody. Um, you know, monetizes in the way that YouTube does. And yeah. uh, if another one wants to, one of the biggest uh, kind of hurdles that a lot of people don't realize is because Google is backing YouTube, the amount of uh, essentially just the, the amount of uh, storage that YouTube offers for free to their creators is insane. And the only reason that Google gets away with it is because they're one of the biggest companies in the world and they can take a loss and they do take a huge, huge loss storing all of that content. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, maybe Facebook is one that could, I have to imagine they've considered this, like what actually would they do and could they actually handle it um, on their bottom line and just simply on their servers if every single person from YouTube moved just moved tomorrow to Facebook, would they be able to handle that? Yeah. I think that's a really big question that I'm sure they ask themselves, but something that needs to be a part of this discussion as well is totally. there very easily could be a time that as Facebook maybe does start to win this and um, maybe pulls a few people, because all they have to do is pull one and then all of that fan base will shift over and then they'll kind of organically find other content that's being created on it. But I wouldn't be surprised if at some point they do start to either take a bigger cut from the creators or it kind of becomes more like Vimeo and becomes a more premium channel again, uh, just simply because they're not Google and they can't keep up. Mm -hmm. Well, there's one other thing that's playing coming out to, to this that I didn't, I spoke a little bit on on Thursday, but I didn't speak too much of it on, um, on Friday was that Facebook, Google, and I think one other are being sued by France. Uh, Europe is making this huge push to protect their data and giving people better control over the data, which is why you see Facebook kind of taking new stances against privacy. Uh, so my kind of question for it is, because somebody brought up to the, to the fact that Facebook is losing a lot of users. Like they're just, it's, their users are either dropping out because of age or because the younger generation just is not interested in what YouTube current or Facebook currently offers. So my question, the biggest question I have after we have all these huge changes over in Europe, what's the, what's the landscape going to look like? Right. That's, that's kind of my question on that sort of stuff. Um, 
I mean, I think that if there are certain, like the whole, like Google had the whole right to be forgotten uh, lawsuits and, and legal Germany. stuff. Germany. W was it Germany? It I, don't, Germany I don't remember yeah. exactly where, but it was somewhere in Europe. Basically, they have laws that say you have the right to be forgotten uh, and Google search results about you, even if like, like negative search results of like you went to jail, you had this thing, that thing, uh, don't allow it, like, like infringe on your personal liberties. Mm -hmm. um, and so in certain countries, uh, search results that should show up are just uh, fully delisted. I realized I didn't make much sense why I was talking. No, please go. <laughs> oh, um, but, but so, I mean, like, like I would say that I think that it's a, it's a country by country basis in a right. lot of ways. Um, I think in the U.S. at least, we still are very open to, like, give us free stuff and we're happy to tell you as much about ourselves as you want. Mm -hmm. um, that might be slightly changing, but at least within the time being, the issue is not, at, at least within the, the millennial generation and younger, um, the issue isn't so much about privacy, it's about... All of our parents are on Facebook. All they talk about is politics, and mm -hmm. Facebook just isn't fun. It's not an enjoyable place for us to be. I think the interesting thing to... And yet we still use it. And yet we still use it. Yeah, no, totally. But I would say that I use Facebook from a personal posting about myself, interacting with people, much less than I do uh, use Facebook as a messaging platform in, in a few places here and there, and then a way to check in on people that live across the country. So, so real quick, let me explain why I was so interested in it. It's because uh, a lot of the, a lot of things that they understand or that Google and Facebook learn is from your da data, right? And no, having, totally. yeah, and having no access to that data or the change in how much they can look at is going to make it hard for them to just make that targeted content. But that, th that sort of thing was what I was trying to get but at. But I think that the way that they're doing that yeah. is by saying, hey, tell us if you don't want us to yeah. look at your data and the number of people that opt in or opt out of data versus automatically opting in, which is what usually happens when you sign up for the platform, mm -hmm. is it, it might start growing, but un, like unless it's in specific countries where they've outlawed Facebook from tracking you, um, I just don't think that a whole lot of people care right now. Right. And like uh, Black Mirror has done a really good job of like doing the whole like uh, futuristic, like what happens without your privacy. And, <laughs> and yeah, like I put a little sticker over my webcam on my computer, <laughs> not because I think that like there's all the memes about, you know, the FBI, uh, you know, person. I just enjoy uh, the show that, that <laughs> you have that you have a great relationship with. But uh, but just because like, yeah, that episode kind of freaked me out a little bit. And I. You know, it's it's that like running uh, mm -hmm. in the hallway in the dark, uh, not because it's necessary, but because it's just like a personal. It's it makes okay. you feel good. Um, the 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 one final like um, caveat that I would give to this discussion as well is because um, it was kind of brought up on Friday, but um, uh, that conversation was kind of going long, kind of like this one, mm -hmm. um, and I didn't really get a chance to like kind of rebut it. Is um, that it will probably and should be its own application, especially like on mobile phones or even like as yep. a desktop client. And in that reality at that point, it actually doesn't uh, Facebook video, okay. like, like okay. as they start to like expand this. Okay. Because that's something that they've actually proven is a success for them, yeah. is um, like they, they've had a number of different uh, uh, projects that did not succeed on their own. And the moment they made it its own final standalone app, um, users actually use it more that way mm -hmm. because then they can kind of isolate different parts of the Facebook experience that they like to use. Yeah. A perfect example is the success of Facebook Messenger yeah. um, as an application, mm -hmm. um, as a standalone. And so like even if a kid, so I would be interested to see um, if a kid who either doesn't have a Facebook profile or only checks it every once in a while um, just because like their mom makes them use it to talk to their grandma or something mm -hmm. like that, right? Um, they might still be a regular frequent, they might regularly frequent the Facebook video or Facebook watch app mm -hmm. when that kind of really starts to kind of get rolling. Um, also means that even if you're still utilizing your Facebook account or something, 
Act regarding this privacy, it's going to have its own set of things that you allow and don't allow. Yeah. And so you could still be an absolute regular user of like Facebook Watch or Facebook Video, um, even without like even while limiting pretty much any and all data access as well, because you otherwise just don't use the platform. Mm -hmm. um, so you almost even wonder if it makes sense for them to just completely rebrand it. Um, but I think the Facebook name is probably too powerful for them yeah. to not use that. But I think that is another side of this conversation. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, so we're we're running short on time, so I'm just going to quickly go over these next two. Uh, Unreal Engine released their 4.19 release, so that's out. Uh, and then I think that the the part of what we talked about um, there, other than just like, hey, there are a few game developers here, mm -hmm. um, was for people who weren't in game development. Oh, um, yeah. How quickly was it adapted? Yeah, if it is adapted, how quickly it was adapted, um, and um, uh, essentially. We got both the AAA and the indie kind of experience in that mm -hmm. um, of uh, essentially AAA. They essentially keep somebody on staff, and that is their full-time job is mm -hmm. to um, essentially start preparing for those transitions. But what I actually found interesting as somebody who's never worked in AAA but does work in indie mm -hmm. is uh, they actually put a lock on that very, very, very early um, as opposed to indie we just kind of run by the seat of our pants yeah. and go a little bit in, in a much later and these patches coming through are necessary things sometimes for us to be able to you know get out the door um mm -hmm. and so uh but yeah it, it was kind of an interesting That's discussion really interesting. for yeah by, by what he means by lock is that they'll if they'll do they'll update onto a certain point and then they'll stop because the game will break Mm -hmm. For AAA, the game will break. Well, no, so for any two. Yeah, for well, for, for well, this was the AAA side that yeah. was talking about it because we have a few developers from AAA studios. They said that we'll put a lock because sometimes we'll have built out the tool so much just on like custom programming that to move it over to a new one would completely break the game. So we'd say no and then just use it for the next game. Yeah. So that's what they were. That's where they were going with that. Uh, Firewatch says that they are committed to realistic representation in games. And the, the article wasn't very long about talking about this, um, but it was going, it was showing a screenshot of what it looks like. Um, to yeah, have, we didn't get to this on Friday. Yeah, really we didn't bummed. really get to it on Friday. We got to it on Thursday, but we didn't really talk about it much on Thursday. Mm. It just came down to um, what's the best way to realistically show certain ethnicities in lighting and whatnot to make sure that they're not too washed out or... Um, in the case of African-American characters or, or black characters, that they aren't, like, almost matching the darkness in the background sort of thing. And then David. I feel like that that could be a really good discussion. Yeah, I was uh, going to say, I mean, before. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're I, going to get, and I don't, I, I don't know if we have to rush as much as we are, uh, but, like, that we are going to get to this topic and kind of skim over that one because I, so I know much to say it's on that it's topic. one of those things where we didn't actually talk about it yeah, a whole lot. I fair. would love for us to talk about it this week, and that's why okay. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. We're kind of. So, I'm yeah, kind of rushing. Let's that. maybe yeah. let's maybe have that be one of our discussion yeah, topics for this week. And right. We'll we'll talk about what was brought up next week. Yeah. yeah. We'll we'll talk. I, that's, I really want to. That's wanna, your yeah. teaser for next yeah. week. Before yeah. Break. I I really want to talk about about that so um we'll, we'll make we'll make that a point to really get into because we did not get into it on either like we it's got true. to it a little bit but we didn't really get into it and then on friday we just didn't touch on it um so david you yeah. brought in one um going back to violence in video games i was uh the title of it is <laughs> okay if that's the way that you are no 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 no, no, no. Yeah. no 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 listen listen first <laughs> listen first she found a dating app on her boyfriend's phone then she bought a samurai sword yeah, but I, uh, yeah. So, so, David, did you expect that we were going to talk about this at club? Uh, First of all, let's just say so, that uh, story was insane. Yeah, it was, it's a crazy story. So, I I slightly put it in the Discord because I wanted to share it, and I thought that it was, uh, the, the crowd was a, a good crowd to share it with. Uh, that being said, like, both people in the relationship were big gamers, and one of, and one of, what, what was that? It didn't sound like that for the girl. Oh, okay. When I read through it, it did not. I was waiting for them to come out and say that the dating app she found on the dude's phone yeah. was a dating simulator. Okay. But that was not the case. Yeah. It but, was not. But the thing that I thought was funny is that the... Well, not funny. So, again, like <laughs> like the, the whole post, like, it, it's a post about domestic abuse. Like, literally, this girl tried to kill her boyfriend. With the uh, samurai with sword. With the samurai sword. But the thing that I thought was gaming related was that this guy was a gamer and talked about how his <laughs> gaming experience basically helped him save his life. Um, and I didn't say any of that when I posted it. I just shared it. And yeah. I was like, well, this is a story. 
Um, but basically this idea of like this guy uh, had like very limited martial arts training. Mm-hmm. So, but like I feel like a lot of people say they have martial arts training. Yeah, it was and it's martial like, arts and kung I, fu films. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he said he, the kung fu films he's watched and the video games he played helped him to defend against this samurai sword attack, which just like. It, it it was a very interesting discussion. And again, somebody being attacked with a samurai sword is not a laughing matter. Mm-hmm. However, his response in an interview about it and his like description of how he fended himself off and like how everything happened was quite comical. And I think it's okay for us to say so. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, this is why video games save lives, right? <laughs> um, no, I. Um, no, you're right. You know, I'm somebody that like I have a lot of conversations with people about, um, like I thank my mom for uh, giving in to me a lot when I wanted to play video games a little bit longer uh, because I think that it helped me to be the problem solver that I am today and uh, helped me to uh, train a lot of skills uh, that. I rely on today for my job and just for my interaction with people and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this uh, could be a life-saving thing. Like to some degree, I don't ever want to be in a situation where I have to protect myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that some of the movies I've seen and some of the video games I've played at least give me some ideas of like, okay, I'm going <laughs> to tuck and roll in that situation. Whatever. Again, not not that I want to get into that. But it was, just, it was kind of a, a mean, very interesting thing that this guy said like, his playing video games was what helped him to parry and Okay, and so there, going back to like talking about studies that existed, there have yeah. been studies that come out that show if you play video games, your reaction time is a little faster. Yeah, yeah. well, and right? they show that like surgeons who play, uh, and I mean, they use like Call of Duty as an mm-hmm. example, but surgeons uh, have better fine motor skills and are actually have higher rates of success if they play video games because they are training those motors just just don't play surgeon simulator yeah yeah <laughs> well it exactly said puzzle solving is actually like yeah. one of the most um, totally like educational elements of like literally playing any games yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah so so yeah the the, the entire story was just kind of out there um for those that don't know she found a dating app she got she, she was like my boyfriend's cheating on me so she logically thought buy a samurai sword tape it to the side of the bed and then try to kill my boyfriend at the end yeah. Uh, so that that was what what came out to it, and the guy, like you said, was just like I defended myself with the use of video games. Yeah, um, I would say that she was not his angle; <laughs> she was his demon. <laughs> I'm done. Or his devil. <laughs> so done. Oh, I messed it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you messed it up. So um, no, that was a Washington Post. Yeah. So the other thing uh, that we didn't get to talk about at all, uh, and didn't come up because it just happened like on Friday I think it was uh but Drake playing Fortnite oh yeah no uh, we mentioned it a little bit okay we just yeah didn't get so, into it so yeah. I mean just like I don't know that that in and of itself uh Scott who's one of the listeners and will definitely listen to this but uh <laughs> shout out he, hey he and I uh went back and forth on Twitter uh a bunch with just jokes and memes uh, <laughs> about it and it was it was cool um but if you if you want to watch a really good stream uh Watching Ninja play with Drake is, and, and then bringing on like Travis Scott, and and then a bunch of celebrities, like chiming in and basically being like, "Yo, Drake, like play with me next time." <laughs> uh, it was just like it was it was a really interesting Surreal. moment of pop culture, and gaming and everything just like colliding, um, and then uh, I was I was watch I was uh, on Twitter this morning and they had some. Uh, from I, I don't know what what is going on in the world of soccer, football, whatever right now, uh, but there's some league happening, and basically this team, one of the players. This is the worst recap of a news story <laughs> I, I could possibly do. I'm I'm, I'm just um, kind of having fun, just kind of watching, cringing a little bit. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, but basically, a player on a soccer team somewhere outside the U.S. Um, uh, every time he scored a goal, he did a different Fortnite dance. Um, <laughs> and what was that? Oh, no. That was, that yeah, was funny, no. Yeah. So it was really funny. So, um, But it was just like all these Fortnite emotes um, that he definitely plays Fortnite. Um, and uh, now the hope is that there will be a hotline bling emote that comes out for Fortnite. <laughs> I think if they, it would be the perfect way to cash in. 
uh, yeah. mm. on this stuff. I have to look into that. I don't know who, what player that was. Yeah, I'll yeah. see if I can find it. Yeah. I'll, I'll post it. Okay, so going back to the, um, the previous story that you guys... Uh, what I'll do for that one is I'm going to take the article that was posted in Discord. I'm Which gonna, story? The, the one about representation in games. Yes. What I'll do so we can kind of get the conversation started is I will post it in our uh, Facebook group. Cool. And just have people chime in with some articles of their own or any of thoughts that they have on representation in games. Yeah. That way we actually have a proper discussion. It's not just um, glanced over. Uh, so I'll do that. If uh, if anyone happens to know someone within the community or within the coffee club who has, like, not not just a background in, like, wanting representation in games, but actually, like, uh, has done some work trying to improve representation in games uh -huh. or something like that, um, let us know as soon as possible. And maybe we could even have them on the podcast or mm -hmm. uh, whatever. Because I think that would be a really great discussion, mm -hmm. not only from personal experience um, and talking about that, but also from uh, some scholarly or uh, <laughs> or, or whatever. Uh, point uh, the Okay, so before uh, we didn't get to it on like our own community yeah, news, we, Again, skipping over my last topic. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We I mean, need to have like a... I mean, it is like it's... I mean, right here. Go for it. I'm going to shut up. I'm sitting back here. I'm not going to say anything else. Go for well, it. Well, no. I mean, it's fine. Like, it's like on one half, it just sounds like, oh, it's just Eric just bringing up esports again. But like, <laughs> it is... Like, yeah. this is actually national Look, news. Look, I'm pushing yes. my microphone yeah. away. No, it's just... Um, in I, I brought it up in kind of my what in my playing section just to make sure that we did yeah. get to it because especially a, a lot of this group is about like yeah. Dallas as a gaming community. Yeah, totally. Uh, and um, just as an example of that, um, the city of Arlington um, just approved uh, a bid oh. for the uh, uh, what is to be a state of the art one of one of its kind um, in yeah. North America. Um, esports stadium yeah. um, that's actually moving into the Arlington Convention Center, um, and uh, not only just simply stepping up the game for like what like esports like arenas are like yeah. um, for the area, but then obviously for like what it's going to be like to broadcast, what it's going to be like to attend, and it's going to be the only one of its kind like in all of America. Yeah. So, so it's it's really interesting. Uh, I I mean I saw that uh, you posted in a few different places as well. Um, and I actually saw, like, somebody else posted it, and then a bunch of their friends were commenting on their post on Facebook, of all places. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the guys commented uh, basically saying, like, why do we need a stadium? Like, uh, people just play online, uh, and, like, most, uh, most, like, Overwatch teams, they all live in L.A., so, like, why would they fly to... Uh, Arlington or the DFW area mm. in general to have these uh, to play or whatever. And I was like, well, like, have, have you seen the tournaments that happen and, like, all of these things? Like, right now, a lot of these tournaments are going to Korea or China or, uh, or L.A. or whatever. But, like, being able to have a place that's dedicated and people know is set up and ready for an esports tournament um, is already a good thing, but on top of that, uh, it helps to um, kind of raise awareness, I guess, and and bring more excitement around that. Yeah, I mean, probably brings in some mainstream crowd as well, yeah. and like, I mean, really kind of just provides quote unquote legitimacy as exactly, well. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, beyond that, uh, exact as you said, I mean, tournaments still need to be held in yeah. a place, and um, it only makes it more fun for the like web viewer to still hear an audience also. Totally, yeah. Um, but I mean, there's also a reason that I think that at max this is going to be like maybe a thousand person stadium. Yeah. Um, it, that actually bothers me. I wish there was a little bit larger, like yeah, somewhere totally. like closer to like kind of the 3K mark. Uh, but I mean, I think that that's also a reflection of, uh, he also has, those people also have a very good point. No, totally. In that we're also having the same discussion in other sports. I mean, um, NFL teams are having a hard time filling out their 90,000 person stadiums because it's literally a better experience to stay at home and watch yeah. it at home. Um, but there is still an element that is a unique experience to be able to go and see that team in person. Um, that's why maybe something like a 20,000 person stadium yeah. might be a little bit smarter. Um, and so I think, that, but I do think that is a good point. Yeah. As well, well, and I mean, there, there are also uh, like, 
there are the smaller tournaments as well. Yeah. Or or the more niche tournaments of like the the fighting game uh, side yeah. of things is is something that is a very close knit community and in terms of like League of Legends and Dota and these other things, like relatively smaller mm-hmm. viewing audiences from like the stadium size, whatever. But like Evo is huge and, and a lot of these tournaments are massive. Um, and this could be a way to get more of that happening yeah. in, in the DFW area. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and I think that what it also does is it sets maybe, kind of, like, kind of creates a blueprint yeah. that, like, hey, other cities can do this relatively easily. Yep. It's not that we're spending a few billion dollars and building, you know, a 100,000-person, yep. you know, megaplex. Yeah. Um, it's it's something that can be done in a lot of different places. Does that mean that we're going to get the international? Probably not. Yeah. But it's not like if, you know, Valve is going to move that anyway. Yeah. Um, but it does mean that, like, again, these people kind of talking without having the foresight of thinking of, like, where can things go in the future, um, the teams in just Overwatch League aren't going to be living in L.A. forever. Exactly. It's just this season. Yep. Um, and um, exactly as you said, there are tournaments that happen all the time. That is a six-month-long season yep. that will be more regional-based um, starting in Season 2. So, yeah. Um, and it gives incentive for more teams to move to Dallas. Uh we don't have any more space. Well, <laughs> currently I'm we kidding. don't. No, I, exactly. But yeah. but I yeah, it, it's just it's yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, and not only just more teams, but just simply more uh, related companies to move here as well. Yeah. Um, meaning that just simply adding to our coffee club community and yeah. the gaming community here in general, um, people either moving here or just more job opportunities popping up. So you know? that that's actually one thing that I guess we didn't bring up in the upcoming events section, but uh, Dallas Startup Week. I had it written down. Okay, no, I, I, totally, yeah, I totally I totally yeah. spaced on it as well, but uh, Dallas Startup Week is going to be, we'll, we'll try and, no, we won't, no, whatever. We won't. Uh, but if you're listening here now, uh, Dallas Startup Week is the first week of April, um, and there, uh, there's a sponsor. A, nice, awesome. Something Simple Services is a sponsor. Sweet. Uh, well, great for remembering to bring it up during the event portion. Yeah. Yeah. I did not even remember that it was a thing <laughs> until just now. <laughs> but so basically, Dallas Startup Week is coming up. They have a gaming track, uh, and the gaming track this year is uh, very focused on esports mm. uh, as well as development as well. But there's a much larger esports presence than there ever has been before. Um, And a lot of the discussions I think we're having around esports are definitely going to be brought up uh, and highlighted and showcased. So um, it'll be really interesting to see how that goes. Um, But so that's the first week of April. It's free. Um, And... Yeah. And um, unlike previous years, from what I understand, um, it's actually going to be spread throughout Dallas. Yep. So, like, the gaming track, I believe, is actually going to be split between two different places. Yep. It's going to be held both at Node and at Launchpad, Launchpad City, City yep. and here in Frisco. Yep. So, so, cool. Yeah, really, really cool opportunity. So, we'll post in the in the Facebook group a uh, link to, yeah. to it. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, for the more schedule, information. The schedule is out now, so. Okay. Uh, Just, like, Startup Week. Yeah, Dallas, I, just Google it, or is there uh, well, I'll I'll post a link to the gaming track uh, cool. schedule, um, but yeah, if you search for Dallas Startup Week, um, you should be able to find it. Sweet. Okay. Well, d- am I interrupting anything again? No, no, okay. that's it. Okay, so I wanted to get to this again. I forgot to put this in the community portion, upcoming community portion, but we are running a contest to rename the podcast. We have we just where I just closed the uh, add your name to the name that podcast contest. Starting this week, I will be opening up a poll for everybody to vote on their favorite name. Winner of that poll gets fifty dollars from our sponsor this month, which is Something Simple Services. And uh, then, if you are in Dallas, we'll, we'll even bring you on to the podcast to do, to introduce us yourself. Yeah, with a new name. Uh, so it'll be about two weeks for the voting to go on just to give everybody some time because I think I, I didn't give enough time last time uh, for people to submit. So, yeah, keep an eye out for that. It'll be pinned to the top of the group. Uh, so, as always, if you are interested in joining our conversation or you want us to talk about something on the podcast, post it in the Facebook group, post it in the Discord. If you don't have access to the Discord, send up a red, red flag and say, where the heck is the Discord so we can give you a link to that. Use the keyword heck 
as a, <laughs> uh, a way for us to know that you're Hashtag interested in getting heck VGSCC. Added to the so, uh, so yeah, so thanks again to Nerdvana Coffee and Frisco for helping us uh, host this podcast, record it, and giving us such a lovely space. Um, thank you as well to Something Simple Services for helping to sponsor the podcast this month. Um, and yeah, I think that's a wrap. Oh, yeah. uh, please, if you do frequent Nirvana, give them a like on Yelp or Facebook or Google. Let people know how much you love the space. And if you are looking for a space of your own to record and don't have a place, Nirvana has this wonderful booth you can use. You can do also with streaming. They have a couple rigs here you can use. So definitely give them a shout out. Yeah. All right. So these were the awesome topics that we talked about this past week. Um, we already, as we talked about, had one topic coming up this week. If you have anything that you want to make sure that we talk about, um, post in the Discord. Um, there's a channel specifically for that. Gaming news. Um, we literally use that for our show notes as we read through this. <laughs> so, uh, And when we're going through and actually running the um, coffee clubs themselves. If you've never been to a coffee club, um, mm-hmm. feel free to join. We'd love for you to come. Um, they're... Right now, on Thursday and Friday, mm-hmm. uh, Thursday, it's in Plano. I think that's technically Richardson. Uh, yeah. it, it we call it the Plano Coffee yeah, Club. Yeah, because it used it to be in Plano. It meets yeah. at the City Line Whole Foods over on Renner Road. Mm-hmm. And that's at 8 o'clock mm-hmm. um, in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, we, on Friday, have it here at Nerdvana in mm-hmm. Frisco at the same time. And, uh, like we said at the very beginning of this, uh, next week we're going to have the Tuesday Night Beer Club, which, yes. again, uh, as Eric pointed out a few episodes ago it's a it's a totally different experience yeah. oh it uh, is but we still have the same discussion around game development gaming topics things like that so just, just with smash brothers being played in the background yeah and everybody getting significantly looser yeah <laughs> well the work day is done <laughs> yeah so yeah all right guys um close us out yeah so thank you so much for listening hope to be able to share a cup of coffee with you for sure i am eric brody i'm rebecca easton and i'm david Forrest. thanks